Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome. It is Verdict with Senator Ted Cruz. Ben Ferguson with you. Senator, we've got a packed show today. Well, there's a lot happening right now. We've all seen the blockbuster verdict that came out against Donald Trump, over $355 million. We're going to talk about what that means and what's next. We've also seen the news that Joe Biden and his team believe they did nothing, absolutely nothing wrong with Afghanistan, that that disgraceful withdrawal and surrender was a model of success. We'll talk about that. And then the breaking news that Alexei Navalny, the dissident in Russia, has died in jail. And we're going to talk about what caused that, what Joe Biden could have done to prevent it. And all three of these stories we're going to explain have a common theme, a thread intertwined between them all. But first, I want to tell you about our friends over at Patriot Mobile. If you are sick and tired of giving your money to woke companies that literally hate your values, hate your family values, hate your faith, it is time for you to vote with your dollars and switch to a company that stands by what you believe in. That is Patriot Mobile. When I look down at my phone, I see the word Patriot in the top left. Why? Because I switched to Patriot Mobile. Now I get the same great service that I had with Big Mobile. But the biggest difference is every time I make a call, every time I send a text, and every time I pay my bill, I know I'm standing with a company that's actually fighting for my values. Patriot Mobile offers you dependable nationwide coverage giving you the ability to access all the major network towers, which means you get the same coverage you've been accustomed to without funding that left. And when you switch to Patriot, you're sending a message because 5% of your bill every month is given back and no charge to you to causes that you help choose to support. We're talking about supporting free speech, religious freedom, the sanctity of life, our Second Amendment, as well as supporting our military, our veterans, our first responder heroes, and our wounded warriors. How easy is it to switch? Just go to patriotmobile.com slash verdict. That's patriotmobile.com slash verdict. Or call them 972-PATRIOT. Make the switch and make a difference with that bill every month. 
free activation when you use the offer code verdict. That's 972-PATRIOT, 972-PATRIOT or patriotmobile.com slash verdict. Senator, let's start with Donald Trump, as you mentioned a moment ago. There are a lot of complicated financial issues with this massive, basically, he's on the hook for nearly a half a billion dollars across these three civil cases combined. But it's even more than that it, from the interest payments as he waits to appeal and bonds and money that he's going to have to tie up just to protect himself. Break all of this down for us. Well, that's exactly right. And we've talked a lot in this podcast about the lawfare that is directed at Donald Trump, about the effort to use the courts, to use the justice system to try to destroy Donald Trump. And and understand the objective here is fundamentally attack on democracy. The objective here is to stop the American people from electing Donald Trump once again as president of the United States. We've seen in the last nine months three different verdicts against Trump, all in New York. One for seven figures, one for eight figures, and now one for nine figures. We saw initially a $5 million verdict last year. Then we saw an $83.3 million verdict against Trump last year. And then just this past week, we saw a $354 million verdict. Now, of all of them, this latest one is the most disgraceful. Why is that? Because there was no victim in this entire case. There is literally not a person injured. Nobody injured. Not only was nobody injured, the alleged victims made money, were happy about it and wanted to do it again. So understand what what this claim is. So Donald Trump is a real estate developer. He's developed a lot of real estate. When he develops real estate, he takes a lot of loans. Like every other real estate developer on planet Earth, he takes loans from banks. Now, Letitia James, who is a left-wing partisan Democrat, she ran for office promising to get Donald Trump. That was her campaign promise. You elect me, and I'm going after Donald Trump. I'm going to get him. So this was not an, a fair and objective application of the law. This was a political vendetta from day one. Well, let me ask you this. How is that not against the law to, to run for office saying that when you become what is supposed to be a steward of law and order, that you're actually running to lock up someone you disagree with politically, how is that legal in America today? Well, I think that's going to be a very serious claim on appeal. Uh, and, and I think there is a significant chance this gets overturned on appeal, but that's going to take a long time. The, the, the prosecutor on her, on, her, on her face is not fair, is not impartial, but is engaged in a partisan political vendetta. She said that before she knew the facts of anything. She had her target. Her target was Donald Trump. And because partisan Democrats in New York hate Donald Trump, that, that was a good election year message that got her elected. But, but understand, so this theory is actually not seeking to put him in jail. It's simply trying to take his money and, and, and trying to shut down his business and destroy his business. And, and the argument is that when he was getting loans from giant global banks, that he overstated the value of his real estate. And look, I don't know if he did or not. If he did, he's probably like every other real estate developer on planet Earth. And in, in my experience, real estate developers pretty much all think their development is worth a ton of money. And reasonable minds can, can differ. That's part of the real estate business. Now, 
to whom did he allegedly overstate the value of his properties? Well, it is to these global banks who, mind you, didn't take his word for it. It's not like they said, oh, okay, he says it's worth this. Let's just give him the money. No, they have appraisers. They're sophisticated. They go in and say, yeah, yeah, be quiet. We're going to look at the property. We're going to figure out what we think it's worth, and we're going to value it. That's exactly what they did. The testimony at trial was that the loans he took out, he paid every penny of it with interest. The banks made money. They were very happy about it. They made their own independent assessment of the values of the property. And in fact, internally, they considered him a, quote, whale. That was their term. And they wanted to do more loans because they were very profitable loans for these banks. And yet, Letitia's James's theory is, well, we think the values were overstated. And so, therefore, we're going to make him pay $354 million. Now, we also know the trial was conducted in front of a partisan Democrat trial judge who was smirking and condescending and self-righteous and clearly loathes Donald Trump and loved every minute of being in the limelight that he and Letitia James are getting to go after and hammer Donald Trump. And, and, and what we saw was a travesty. It was an abuse of justice. It, it was using the legal system to attack your political enemies. It was not a fair and neutral application of the law. Well, let's talk also about there's a, a big X factor here, and there's so many that have asked me this question on my show, which is where does this 300 plus million go if there's no one that says that they were defrauded by Donald J. Trump or his sons or his businesses, there was no one to there's no one to make whole here. There's no one claiming that they are deserving of those dollars. So how do they say that Donald Trump defrauded somebody when no one claims they're being defrauded and the people that in theory would have been defrauded were actually in court defending Donald Trump saying we were not defrauded? Well, it, it goes to the state of New York. And so Letitia James is just trying to take the money for the state of New York and, and understand that, that even, if, uh, e even if this is overturned on appeal, the impact on Trump is very significant. Why is that? Because in order to appeal it, you have one of two options. Either you have to put the money up, so you're looking at with interest – over $400 million that he's got to write a check into escrow for, or he's got to put up a bond. Now, a bond, you go to a bonding company, and typically you put up 20% of the amount of the bond, and then you put up collateral to back up the bond. And, and either way, it, it is a, a very expensive proposition. Now, Trump testified that his cash on hand right now uh, is about $400 million. So assuming that testimony is accurate, and he had, here was the quote, he said, quote, we have, I believe, 400 plus and going up very substantially every month. My biggest expense is probably legal fees, unfortunately. So if you assume he has roughly $400 million, this verdict would take all of his liquid cash. And, and that is a big blow for anyone, even for someone with the resources Trump has. And that's what it's intended to do. And not only that, this judge went after and penalized, fined Donald Trump Jr., fined Eric Trump, uh, and barred all three of them 
from doing business in New York, from serving on the board of their own company for three years. This is a punitive result born out of spite, and it is yet another example of the weaponization of our legal system and the willingness of partisan Democrats. We talk a lot on this podcast about what the radical left accuses their opponents of doing is in fact what they are, they are doing themselves. In this instance, their favorite line is, we must defend democracy. This is an assault on democracy. It is intended to be an assault on democracy. They are going after him for the same reason that Colorado and Maine are trying to pull him off the ballot, because they're terrified that the American people in November are going to pull the lever for Donald J. Trump and reelect him as president. How significant, Senator, will it be on appeal that New York's Democratic governor came out over the weekend and assured, quote, real estate developers that they won't be targeted for real estate valuations like Trump, that the governor's told New York businesses not to fear about Trump verdict, nothing to worry about, meaning we're just doing it to him, but don't worry, we won't do it to you. So, number one, I'm not sure businesses are going to trust that uh, because what the governor is really saying is so long as you stay on our good side, so long as you contribute to Democrats, so long as you don't piss us off, we won't go after you and try to bankrupt you, too. But let's be clear, if this verdict is upheld, every real estate developer in New York, New York City, the attorney general can go after and hit with a similar verdict. I mean, this is a power the only thing that keeps them keeps them from this happening to them is is the leniency is the kindness of the attorney general that's not very comforting to anyone but i got to say beyond that you know the governor you know i really do think the governor needs to send a letter to the federal election commission uh, acknowledging an in kind contribution to the donald j trump campaign and 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 in particular her statements I guarantee you are going to feature prominently in Trump's appeal because on the face of it, what she's saying is, no, 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 don't worry. This is a selective prosecution. We only do this to people we hate. This is not applying the law fairly. This is because he's Donald Trump. As long as you're not Donald Trump, you'll be safe. Well, that that, that might be good politics in New York, bare knuckle politics, but that is not due process of law or the equal protection of laws. Instead, that is deliberately abusing power and then the governor brazenly admitting it. I want to talk to you about how you start your morning off. If you're like me and you're a coffee drinker, I get up early. I get on the radio at 7 a.m. and I have got to have not just a cup of coffee, a really good cup of coffee. And I have a 2024 New Year's resolution. I am not giving my money to woke coffee companies. That is something I have gotten rid of. Blackout coffee is the coffee that I drink. It is amazing. This is 100% America and 0% woke coffee. Blackout coffee is 100% committed to conservative values as a company. From sourcing their beans to the roasting process, customer support and shipping, they embody true American values and they accept no compromise on premium taste and premium quality. If you want a great cup of coffee, not good, not kind of good, not pretty good, but amazing, you need to go to blackoutcoffee.com slash verdict. Now, here's the cool part. Use the promo code verdict for 20% off 
your first order. So try it. You're going to be hooked like I am, and you'll never go back to those other woke brands. Blackoutcoffee.com slash verdict. Be awake, not woke. That's blackoutcoffee.com slash verdict. Promo code verdict for 20% off your first order. Senator, I want to move to the other big story we mentioned earlier, and that is Joe Biden and Afghanistan. I know Joe Biden's got a lot of gaffes. He's, 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 he's gone pro in that. But we're now finding out about the inside of the Biden administration's not just Afghanistan policy, but specifically their indifference towards rescuing American citizens that were in Afghanistan when the pullout happened, which we know was a disaster. How frustrated are you now to find out that this administration pretty much like, oh, yeah, all right, there's some Americans there. We might figure that out later. Well, look, it, it is consistent with a pattern, with, with the lawfare, with the abuse of power we see against Trump. What is happening is Democrats are putting their own partisan interest above the rule of law. They are putting politics above doing what's right. The same thing is happening with Afghanistan. We've talked a long time about how when it comes to foreign policy, this White House views everything as a domestic political issue. They view everything through a a partisan political lens. So, So why was Afghanistan such a train wreck? Well, a lot of reasons, but one of the biggest is Joe Biden decided he wanted to have a press release of a complete and total withdrawal by the anniversary of September 11th. So he set an arbitrary deadline. We must be out by September 11th. And once he set that political deadline that was not driven by military realities on the ground, it was driven by a political objective to make the left in in the Democrat Party happy. He then disregarded military advice, and in particular military advice that told him that, that, that it would require a significant number of troops to secure and keep secure Bagram Airfield, and Bagram Airfield was necessary to have safe evacuations of Americans. Now, the problem is Biden apparently really didn't care. He had a political objective, and national security was not going to get in the way of that political objective. And so he dictated that the troop drawdown must be significant, and the military was faced with a choice. The number of troops they were allowed to keep, they could either keep Bagram, or they could have troops to go at, at Kabul International Airport, and, and they chose uh, the airport in Kabul. They gave up Bagram. Now, Bagram was a multi-billion dollar secure military airfield the United States had built. If we had done the evacuation from Bagram, we would not have seen 13 servicemen and women killed because Bagram was built to be secure where terrorists could not murder our American servicemen and women. But because the Biden White House puts politics above national security, they didn't care. Now, what happened here? What happened here is that Biden believed they'd done nothing wrong. And and in fact, uh, Politico reported after Afghanistan, quote, no one offered to resign, in large part because the president didn't believe anyone had made a mistake. Ending the war was always going to be messy. And, and in fact, they, they, they continue and say, quote, Biden told his top aides that he stood by them and that they had done their best during a tough situation. Quote, there wasn't even a real possibility of a shakeup, a White House official told the reporter. 
Now, understand that this was universally acknowledged by everyone as a complete massive screw up. We saw planes taking off in Afghanistan with people clinging to the wheels, running in desperation. We saw terrorists murdering not just 13 servicemen and women, but murdering Afghans who had helped America, torturing Afghans who had helped America. Every fair and neutral observer watching this recognized it was an absolute debacle. And yet Biden's view was nothing to see here. Hey, this was all great. I I get frustrated because people's lives were changed because of these decisions, their yep. family trees were changed. There are people that never got to see their kids, their boyfriends, their wives, their husbands ever again because of what happened. And there used to be, we've talked about this before in the show, that if you were an American, there was almost like an invisible bubble around you when you're around the world because you don't mess with Americans because if you did, there was going to be major consequences. We are seeing that, Senator, that, that imaginary bubble has basically disappeared. The terrorists aren't afraid of messing with us. They're not afraid of going after American troops in the Middle East. We've seen these 150 plus, 160, 170 attacks, whatever the newest number is, since the attacks on Israel against Americans. And we have a president now that they know you can mess with us and we will not respond. How do you gauge the national security threat of just that mindset change? And how do you hold this administration you know, responsible for that? Well, this story gives more details. And, and in particular, uh, it says that the Pentagon pushed hard to keep troops in Afghanistan. And Biden gave a withdrawal order in April of 2021. And, and the sides fought about what to do. On, on May 8th, 2021, they were doing a rehearsal for the evacuation offer, uh, operation with Jake Sullivan, who's Biden's national security advisor, with Lloyd Austin, who's the defense secretary, and with the, the, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff at the time, General Mark Milley. And the Defense Department argued that, that, that it would be too dangerous to have the embassy to continue to try to do business as usual. And Brian McKeon, who was the deputy secretary of state, jumped in. He said the diplomats would be just fine. And his quote was, quote, we at the State Department have a much higher risk tolerance than you guys. And, and the, the, the writer at Politico writes that, quote, Millie, that would be General Mark Milley, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, quote, Milley nearly jumped out of his chair, but restrained himself from shouting, how he and many serving in the armed forces had lost friends in war. Austin, the defense secretary, showed no signs of anger, but later told colleagues that he was offended by McKeon's remark. That was the attitude of, of this administration. And, and in fact, it, it, it wasn't just, just the attitude. Uh, there is simultaneously a, a, a story that, it, that is in The Spectator that says, and this is by Matthew Foldy, quote, At the time of the Afghanistan withdrawal, Biden administ administration officials said behind closed doors that the Secretary of State, Antony Blinken, and the National Security Advisor, Jake Sullivan, quote, don't give a F, and F was not abbreviated, it was spelled out fully, about rescuing Americans from the clutches of the Taliban. The admission came on a late August 2021 phone call 
held between the Department of Defense and congressional Democrats based on the Spectator's review of contemporaneous text messages. During the conversation, a Pentagon official acknowledged in response to frustration from Democrats that two of the most, two of the senior most officials working on the evacuation, Blinken and Sullivan, were indifferent to the plight of their fellow Americans. Think about that for a second. That is reporting that the Biden White House didn't give, I'm, I'm going to sanitize it and say a damn, about rescuing Americans from the Taliban. That is this partisan political White House. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com news. That's LifeLock.com news to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You know, this also goes to the, the next topic we were going to talk about, and that deals obviously with Russia uh, and Vladimir Putin killing his, in essence, top political adversary uh, this past week. But before I get that, I, I want to go back to does this also explain when we were getting out a WNBA player because it was high profile, we left another American behind there in Russia. Why would you be afraid of, uh, of, of Joe Biden? If, if this is your mentality in Afghanistan with Americans, does an American life in a jail and prison really matter? Well, unfortunately for Biden, it's all politics. And, and so 
the Biden administration focused on a WNBA player because that was high profile and that was consistent with their political objectives. But we're more than happy to leave other Americans, including servicemen and women, behind because that was not their priority. There's a consistent theme about it. It, It's an elevation of partisan politics. And, and, And look, at the time of the Afghanistan withdrawal, I said then that the weakness and the incompetence displayed by the Biden White House has made the world much, much more dangerous, that every enemy of America is looking to the Oval Office and is taking the measure of the Commander-in-Chief. And I believe that all of them concluded that the the Commander-in-Chief was weak and feckless and ineffective. In other words, they concluded what the Biden Department of Justice just argued in writing, that, 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 that he was a feeble old man with a limited memory. And what I said at the time of the Afghanistan debacle is the chances of Russia invading Ukraine just increased tenfold and the chances of China invading Taiwan just increased tenfold. Bad guys do not fear weakness. Weakness encourages them to be worse. And that's what Biden has done to every enemy of America. Let's talk about what's happening also with this adversary to Vladimir Putin Uh, And and give a little context here so people understand the Russian regime has been trying to to murder Alexei for now years. Uh, You go back to Joe Biden and he even went on the record in Geneva, Switzerland, back on June the 16th of 2021, saying that there would be major consequences if he died in captivity by the by the Russians, by Putin. I want to play this from June 16, 2021. Mr. President, just a quick follow on the same theme of consequences. You said just now that you spoke to him a lot about human rights. What do you say would happen if opposition leader Alexei Navalny dies? I made it clear to him that I believe the, the consequences of that would be devastating for Russia. I'll go back to the same point. What do you think happens when he's saying it's not about hurting Navalny, all the stuff he says to rationalize the treatment of Navalny. And then he dies in prison. I pointed out to him that it matters a great deal. I I mean, Senator, that was 2021. What changed? Well, actually nothing changed, and I'm going to explain in a minute that he didn't believe what he was saying then. But, But before I explain that, Let's play what Biden is saying now, because even he is admitting today that what he said then was full of crap. Listen to what he's saying right now. Now is the time for even greater unity among our NATO allies to stand up to the threat that Putin's Russia poses. You know, I send my deepest condolences to Alexei's staff and supporters who are going to continue his work despite this loss, despite all of Putin's desperate attempts to stamp out the opposition and most of all to his family especially to his wife, his daughter, and his son, who have already sacrificed so much for their family and a shared dream for a better future for Russia. Now, that was him making his first statement at the White House. But then the media asked him that question, hey, what happened to what you said three years ago? First, was this an assassination? The answer is uh, we don't know exactly what happened, but there is no doubt that the death of Navalny was a consequence of something that Putin and his, and his thugs did. And to be clear, you warned Vladimir Putin 
when you were in Geneva of devastating consequences if Navalny died in Russian custody. What consequences should he and Russia face? That was three years ago. In the meantime, they faced a hell of a lot of consequences. They've lost and or had wounded over 350,000 Russian soldiers. I mean, Senator, he doesn't answer the questions. He says, ah, that was three years ago. And now because of the war with Ukraine, well, they, they've had some somehow some consequences that have nothing to do with killing this individual. Well, he, he did answer the question, actually. And, and his answer is nothing. That, that he's so weak, that he's so ineffective, that he's not going to do anything. And Putin knows that. Everybody else knows that. Navalny knew that. So last week, when, when, when the news of Navalny's death broke, here's the statement that I put out. Quote, the Russian regime has been trying to murder Alexei Navalny for years to stop his criticism of Vladimir Putin's corruption and autocracy and to intimidate the Russian people from similar criticism. Tragically, they appear to have finally succeeded in murdering him. We must ensure that they will never succeed in silencing him. The regime interprets weakness from the United States as appeasement and has only escalated its oppression in recent years. The Russian people are entitled to express their views peacefully without fear of retribution. And I will work with my colleagues to hold accountable those in the Russian regime responsible for this atrocity. So that's what I put out. But I want to go back because I said that that uh, Biden didn't mean the, the tough consequences when he said that. How do I know that? Because if you go back to 2021, you go back to the beginning of the Biden administration where Vladimir Putin poisoned Alexei Navalny, actually poisoned him in August of 2020. Um, and he was poisoned with a uh, Novichok class nerve agent, uh, which is the same class that was used uh, by Russia in the 2018 assassin assassination attempt against a former British intelligence agency. It's 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 a. A, a strategy of murder that that the Russians are fond of poisoning, and and at the time, uh, Biden announced really mild sanctions on Russia. Said, "Okay, we're going to slap your hand," and what I called for at the time was sanctioning and shutting down the Nord Stream two pipeline. Now, remember, Nord Stream two pipeline was a pipeline that Putin was building that went straight from Russia to Germany. It circumvented Ukraine. The entire point of the Nord Stream 2 pipeline was to enable Russia to get its natural gas to Europe without needing to go through the pipelines in, in Ukraine. Why did Putin want the Nord Stream 2 pipeline? So he could invade Ukraine. I authored the sanctions that shut Nord Stream 2 down. I passed them into law in December of 2019 Got overwhelming bipartisan support in the Senate, got overwhelming bipartisan support in the House. Donald Trump signed my sanctions legislation into law. And, and listen to this. Putin stopped building the Nord Stream 2 pipeline literally the day, the very same day that Donald Trump signed my sanctions legislation. The pipeline was done. Wow. That was December of 2019. December of 2020, I passed another set of sanctions legislation on Nord Stream 2, again with overwhelming bipartisan support. Again, Donald Trump signed it to law. The pipeline remained dead. Now, fast forward to January 2021. On January 20th, Joe Biden takes the oath of office. He becomes president. Four days later, four, 
January 24th, 2021. Putin resumes deep sea construction of the Nord Stream 2 pipeline, literally four days into the Biden presidency. Why? Because Biden was already showing weakness. Putin understood Biden was weak. And by the way, that foreshadowing of weakness was true. It was accurate. Why do we know that? Because several months later, Biden formally waived the sanctions on Nord Stream 2. He gave Vladimir Putin a multi-billion dollar gift. He let him complete that pipeline. And that pipeline, waiving those sanctions, is why Putin invaded Ukraine. It is Biden's fault. But when Navalny, when Putin went after Navalny, I called on Biden. I said, all right, you gave Biden this gift of Nord Stream 2. How about now when Navalny's in jail? How about now? impose the sanctions on Nord Stream 2? How about now grow a backbone and stand up to, to, to Putin? And Biden refused to do so, instead put little slap of the wrist sanctions on it. And so when he said severe consequences, he didn't mean it in 2021. And, and, and he's admitted it now. The consequences he has in mind are nothing. And you know what? Putin will continue to behave worse, will continue to be more oppressive, will continue to, to, to be more of a threat. China, she will continue to behave worse, to be more oppressive, to be more of a threat. North Korea will, Venezuela will, Iran will, every enemy of America, Hamas will, Hezbollah will, all of them. When we have a weak commander in chief, America is at greater peril and every one of our allies is at greater peril. I want to ask you one question about sanctions real quick. Before I do that, let me remind you right now, if you want to get the best cup of coffee of your life, take advantage of Blackout Coffee and the 20% off your first order right now by going to blackoutcoffee.com slash verdict. It is a premium cup of coffee that you're going to love to drink each and every day. Without the woke agenda of many of the left coffee companies, you know the ones I'm talking about. And if you are not willing to settle for an average cup of coffee, I start my day early every day. I'm on the radio at 8, 7 o'clock in the morning. I have got to make sure I have a really good cup of coffee in front of me. And that is why I love Blackout Coffee and I want you to try it. The coffee's 100% America, 0% woke, blackout coffee committed to conservative values from the sourcing of the beans, the roasting process, customer support and shipping. They embody true American values and accept no compromise on taste or quality. Go to blackoutcoffee.com slash verdict. Use the promo code verdict. You'll get 20% off your first order. You're going to love it. I promise you. Check them out. Blackoutcoffee.com slash verdict. Be awake, not woke with your dollars and your cup of coffee. That's blackoutcoffee.com slash verdict. 20% off your first order, promo code verdict. Senator, final question for you on sanctions. What is the point of having sanctions? And you mentioned multiple countries there. That we have sanctions on, that we're not doing anything, we're not enforcing the sanctions. And if the president and his administration will not enforce the sanctions, is there any checks and balances that, that can come into play on the House, the Senate, congressional oversight. Because if you've got the sanctions and they're worthless because you don't enforce them, who does that fall on and can it change? Well, it certainly can change, and Congress can force the president to do it. And and the best example of that, let's go back to Nord Stream 2, and, I, and I'll finish the story. When, when Biden waived the sanctions, my response is I put a hold on every single nominee at the State Department. I blocked them in the Senate. And it caused the Biden administration to go nuts. It caused Senate Democrats to go nuts. And I said, listen, Joe Biden is is 
handing a massive gift to Vladimir Putin. He is causing war in Europe. He is causing Russia to prepare to invade Ukraine. This makes no sense, and it is endangering Europe, our allies, and it's endangering America. For all of 2021, I had those holds in place. In December of 2021, I cut a deal with Chuck Schumer. I let, I think it was 34 of those holds go in exchange for scheduling a vote on new sanctions on Nord Stream 2 in January of 2022. Schumer agreed, so I forced the vote on the Senate floor. Now, when the vote came up in January of 2022, the week before the vote, President Zelensky in Ukraine publicly begged the United States Senate, please, please, please pass Cruz's sanctions legislation. This legislation is the last best hope to stop Russia from invading Ukraine to avoid war. That same week, the government of Poland put out a formal statement pleading with the United States Senate to pass my sanctions legislation. Poland said, if you do not do so, Russia will invade Ukraine. Now, Ben, that is highly unusual. Foreign countries generally yeah. do not put out statements on particular votes in the Senate asking the Senate to do something. In this case, both Ukraine and Poland put out those statements. The day of the vote, Joe Biden came 16 blocks from the White House down to Capitol Hill, and he went to the Democratic Senate lunch, and he personally lobbied the Democrat senators. This was the first time he had done so since he became president. And he came there to lobby them. His request was, please, please, please vote against Cruz's sanctions legislation. Please vote for Russia and Putin. So twice when I had introduced my legislation and passed it to law, all the Democrats had come together and supported it. So they were on record twice supporting my, my sanctions. In January 2022, because of Biden's personal lobbying, 44 Democrat senators flipped their votes. They voted against sanctions. They voted in favor of Russia. They voted in favor of Putin. And as a result, a month later, Russia invaded Ukraine. And we have still today the biggest war in Europe since World War II. Look, I'm someone who hates war. Yeah. I am very reluctant to go to war, but I agree with Ronald Reagan. I agree with Winston Churchill. I agree with Donald Trump in the philosophy of peace through strength, that the best way you avoid war is being strong enough your enemies don't want to mess with you. And sanctions can be a very powerful tool for avoiding war. What the Biden White House is all about when it comes to our enemies is weakness and appeasement. And waiving these sanctions directly caused the war once the pipeline was complete putin's view was he could invade because he could still get his gas to europe even if the pipelines in ukraine were destroyed no doubt don't forget this week it's going to be a big week with breaking news we're going to keep you updated on all of it monday wednesday friday we do the show and don't forget you can listen to my podcast as well the ben ferguson podcast and those in between days i'll keep you updated on the latest breaking news so make sure you subscribe to that the ben ferguson podcast as well and we will see you back here on wednesday morning 
If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.